even though this is direct response advertising, look at what Casper, look at what ZipRecruiter, look at what Squarespace have done with direct response ads. It's like you can't tell me they didn't build their brand awareness almost entirely off of this medium. What's up, everybody? Eric here with another episode of Brands at Podcast. So today I talked to Glenn Rubenstein, who is the founder and CEO of Adopter Media. Glenn has facilitated and overseen about $20 million plus of podcast advertising budget for brands over the last few years. And prior to that, he was actually head of podcast ad sales at This Week in Tech, which is one of the most successful and longest running podcasts ever. And so he has, I mean, almost a decade of experience with podcast advertising as a channel. So these are the 30, 60, 90 second ads you hear at the beginning, in the middle, or the end of podcasts. And there can be a lot of ambiguity around how to actually get started with podcast ads, frankly, and where to go to know if you're being charged the right rate, how to be the most successful with it when it comes to what the ad actually is and where it's driving people, what success can look like with it. You know, are you actually looking to break even on your ad spend? Are you looking for a multiplier factor with revenue generated from it compared to the cost of the ad? All these sort of nitty gritty details Glenn walked us through in this episode. And I know that you all are going to love this because when you look at brands that are using podcast advertising, most of them are doubling and tripling down on it. Squarespace and the Caspers of the world and the MailChimps. And you've heard it all probably on all of your favorite shows. And I think it's a really good time to ask why and see if it's a channel and a strategy that we could replicate or you could replicate. So yeah, please enjoy this episode with Glenn. I know you guys are going to love it. All right, Glenn, thanks for being here with me today, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. I'm super excited to chat because of all the people I've paid attention to with podcast marketing, advertising, production, you know, I've just, I don't know, I've seen your name pop up quite often when it comes to podcast advertising. And I also bought and read your book. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, that, yeah, that you wrote a few years ago, I believe, which is called Podcast Advertising That Works, right? Yeah, Podcast Advertising Works and second edition coming very soon before you know it. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, before we dive too too far in, I, I definitely recommend, you know, brands and CMOs and anybody who is thinking about podcast advertising to check that book out. And we'll obviously be going through some of the the context here on your philosophies and strategies with that. And that's really what I'm excited about digging in today, which is, you know, how brands can and should think about podcast advertising as a channel, not only for like direct, you know, attributable direct response marketing, but also brand marketing. I'm yeah. really interested in kind of going down those two paths with you and and seeing what use cases and methodologies you're seeing work the best and also how you think from a big picture, how brands should think about it. So yeah, before we kind of dive into some of that stuff, could you maybe just give an overview? You know, you run and own Adopter Media, which is a, a podcast advertising agency representing brands, helping them facilitate those those podcast ad dollars correctly and effectively. Could you maybe just give a, a little background on that and, you know, where you are with it today and and why you actually launched it? Yeah, so I started Adopter Media, God, we're entering our fifth year now, and uh, previously worked at the world's largest tech podcast network, This Week in Tech with Leah Laporte, and started there in 2012 with as their director of marketing, then also selling podcast ads. One thing I learned very quickly was how to explain this space and what was needed to explain this space to bring new brands into podcast advertising. Over the course of my years there, very quickly built up a sizable client roster of advertisers where I was just placing their advertising on that one network. And the more frequent lament that I was hearing again and again 
was that, gee, it would be great if you could help us place some of our spend across networks beyond Twit. Uh, and uh, I think it was maybe the third or fourth client that ultimately went and got an outside agency to help them with that before I saw mm. the writing on the wall. I said, you know what? I need to rip off the Band-Aid and do this on my own. Uh, and with that launched Adopter Media, um, originally you know, on this idea that we're going to educate brands, we're going to bring them into the space, teach them the best practices and work with them to grow, scale and optimize their podcast ad spend across anywhere from a dozen to a thousand podcasts on a regular basis. And it's been a heck of a ride. I mean, hmm. you know, looking at where we started at the the very end of 2015 going into 2016 to where we ended at the 20 end of 2019 i mean it's it's incredible i never thought we would achieve this level of scale and success and be able to grow with this mindset of that we're going to do things the way that that works the way that's always worked and maybe be a little bit stubborn about some of the new technology and new ideas mm. find ways to make it work where we can but also really insist upon the core tenets of this industry and what has a proven track record of success. So yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Now here we are, we're uh, working with close to a dozen brands this year in 2020 to plan and manage their ongoing podcast ad campaigns. And uh, it's great. Absolutely love it. Yeah, there's a lot there. And I'm I'm looking forward to kind of unpacking some of that with you today. And, and maybe to paint the picture a little bit and give some context, like what types of brands are you working with? And is there a certain size of budget that you've helped place or manage over the years, you know, yeah. in terms of facilitating that ad spend? So cumulatively, we broke uh, $20 million last year in combined spend over the lifetime of the agency. And we work with brands that are spending anywhere from lowish five figures to mid six figures on a monthly basis in this space. It really depends on what their goals are, what the scale is, and how we can best help them uh, achieve that across podcasts that are relevant to the consumers and customers that they're looking to attract. So it's definitely gotten more competitive. And for us, the threshold threshold has mm. uh, risen. You could have come into the space three or four years ago, maybe even two years ago and said, hey, I just want to spend five or $10,000 and see what it does. And I think now you have so many brands that are getting into the space. The uh, buy-in is a little bit higher. And with that is perhaps why our services are in even more demand is that if you're spending you know, a considerable amount of money and not just uh, throwing it at the wall to see what sticks, you want to really work with a trusted partner that has done this before, knows the ins and outs, and is going to make sure your budget is being spent effectively and in the uh, wisest manner possible. That makes sense. And, and are these primarily direct to consumer brands? Are they B2B brands? Are they startups? Are they more mid-market? Are they enterprise or, or possibly even just a combination of all of the above that you see as it's, like? It's all of it, man. Okay, it's cool. absolutely all of it. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, to give you an idea, you know, on one hand, one of our clients is Pitney Bowes. They're a hundred year old company. They're one of the original uh, Fortune 100 companies in the United States. They invented the postage meter. Uh, and on the other hand, we've got, um, you know, disruptive startups, uh, companies like Blue Chew that have been in the space for less than two years and, uh, you know, really have been able to achieve something quite remarkable remarkable in the telemedicine space. So I think that we've seen everything in between. Um, the real key, it's not so much about the size of your company. It's not so much about how old your company is. It's really more about, um, do you have something that is a good fit for this medium and that could be sold persuasively through audio? Mm. Yeah, that's a perfect segue because that's what I'm curious about. You know, what in your mind as you're talking to a brand thinking about entering this space and testing the channel or actually, you know, placing a sizable budget behind the channel for the first time, what do you think constitutes a, a good position for them to be in to get the results from this channel? I, re I really call it sticky products, sticky services, the sort of thing that you could talk about and talk about with enthusiasm uh, to where a podcast ad is going to be received no different than a friend recommending you know, the latest, greatest product they bought, the service that changed their life, the restaurant they ate at the last weekend that you've absolutely got to try or the movie that, that you really need to check out. I think you're looking for products that build excitement and that have something that not only is going to communicate 
well between the podcast host and the podcast listener, but additionally, perhaps even have a pass along effect with it. Uh, so there's a brand uh, that we've worked with that does heated clothing, and we've done a number of campaigns with them, actually sold them out of inventory in some seasons. And uh, part of the reason why is you see this direct attribution in podcasts, this idea of saying, oh my God, do you know there's heated clothing out there? Stuff you can buy where it's, you know, it's not chemicals, it's actually got heating pads inside and it's USB and you can charge your phone with it. You can go on and on and on about how fantastic this is. But not only is a podcast listener going to hear a host talk about that, that podcast listener is also uh, an influencer in their own right and is going to then tell five friends, family members about it. If you structure these campaigns correctly and you have very good products and services that you're marketing, it's actually quite impressive the brand halo that you can build simply by off having a great product, clear messaging, and hosts that have proven engagement with their audiences. Yeah. And when it comes to kind of attribution, like you mentioned there, how does this compare to channels that are predominantly used for direct response and can attribute, I mean, to, down to the penny, you know, when we're talking about like social media advertising, or search engine marketing um, with Google or Bing or Yahoo and things like yeah. that. You know, I, I do know, like, obviously podcasts, the medium is inherently, there is a barrier to attribution to some degree where you're going to be using either a, a coupon code or a landing page and directing people to, but ultimately, you know, people have to hear it and then go and seek out the thing that has been positioned as the place to go. And there might be some people that actually still come to the brand but not through that actual landing page or URL or code. So how do you think about podcast ads attribution when compared to some other ad platforms like social media or search engine marketing? I think the biggest mistake that marketers make is they treat this like digital when in reality, this is a little more akin to offline marketing um, with some attribution and it is getting better, but you want to think about what is your fair measure of success, uh, whether that's having an attribution multiplier based on post-purchase follow-up surveys, based on Google search traffic, social mentions, of where you can figure out this is what we're seeing direct, this is what we know uh, the multiplier is to quantify that more accurately. Uh, that's one way to look at it. We are seeing advanced attributions options come to market uh, with companies like Podsites, chartable barometric that are offering a more one-to-one -one pixel tracking um, device ID tracking, uh, the idea that you can match up a listener, the idea you can match up someone that visited a website or installed an app. That technology is rapidly coming into play and becoming widely accepted in the space. But uh, I think that it's really about having a mix. Uh, I mean, so full disclosure, I am an investor in Podsites who does that advanced attribution tracking. But I can tell you that part of the reason uh, why I'm such a big believer in it is we had one of our clients that did a Podsites enabled campaign last year, and we saw that traffic um, and conversions measurable through the pod size data were actually 5x what we were seeing previously or comparatively during the same time period wow. just over plain URLs and offer code redemptions. Wow. So it's actually kind of amazing that as much as you, you know, people love landing pages, as much that people love uh, branding their domain, it's um, amazing that here we are in the year 2020 and the number one way, and again, this is a little anecdotal, but uh, you know, let's just say one of the major ways that people are getting to your website is through Google, uh, not even bothering to enter your domain. Hmm. instead just searching for it and going in that way. So uh, yeah, I think the more measurement we have is good and it's definitely going to help this medium mature both in terms of uh, sophistication and ad dollars. But at the same time, 99% of uh, the campaigns that we're running at this time are still based off the old-fashioned direct response mechanism. And we have brands that are um, very happy to use that as a means of measurement and they see uh, measurable success that they can then take and scale with. Do you look at the direct response click-throughs or visitors and site traffic and signups and, and all of that sort of thing that is measurable? And is there any sort of intangible that you layer on top of that for those that you think might have come through the podcast but not necessarily are being captured through the forms or methods that are trackable? Like, is there any sort of art and science to, to be combined there? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we look and we see direct attribution uh, for a client through a particular podcast, and then the same client, their Twitter mentions are getting blown up with fans talking about how much they love a certain host's ad reads. We know that that, I mean, there's there's way more than we're getting out of this than what is purely measured through URLs or offer codes. I really feel that there is that uh, that strong halo there. You just have to know where to look for it to see what it is you're getting above and beyond. And I'm not saying that everything works. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we all do campaigns from time to time where it is a test. And in the spirit of testing, the, the result is that this is perhaps not the right medium. But when it works, it's um, sometimes almost seismic. Like you feel it much more beyond just the URLs and offer codes in the sense that people are talking about it in the sense that you're getting mentioned on podcasts that you didn't even pay for because a host of another podcast will sometimes hear the ad and say, hey, did you hear about this product? You know, they'll start talking about it. And if you look at the the success that brands are having in this space, again, it's not for everyone and not everyone is going to be the next, uh, you know, Squarespace or ZipRecruiter or Casper based in advertising and podcasts. But I think it's almost um, more interesting to me that there are a lot of brands out there that are so well known through podcasts and uh, considered almost ubiquitous with this medium that aren't on everyone's radar. But by the flip side, you know, even though the, this is direct response advertising, look at what Casper, look at what ZipRecruiter, look at what Squarespace have done with direct response ads. It's like you can't tell me they didn't build their brand awareness almost entirely off of this medium. So I think it really is uh, the best of both worlds. You just have to figure out a way to where it's ROI positive and you get the attribution uh, to justify the continued investment. But those additional benefits are just going to snowball and keep paying off dividends as time goes on. Yeah, that's incredible. And is there, you know, you mentioned some of those brands. Is there a brand either that you've worked with or, you know, one that you've just seen that you thought executed this really well and and like the data points to the fact that the the brand before podcast advertising and and then looking at the brand after podcast advertising did have that seismic shift like you mentioned? Well, I should probably recuse myself from answering anything <laughs> personal on okay. this level because <laughs> I cannot give out uh, any specific client data. Of course. That being said, I think we do a very good job. And I would say to anyone that if you hear any brand on podcasts on a monthly basis, you know, for a period of uh, six months or more, certainly a year or more, years or more, know that this is working for them. I've never had a client that says, oh, this is losing money, but let's keep doing it. Mm. Uh, but let me give a, a bit of a shout out and recognition to Joey and the team at Manscaped. Um, they did a phenomenal panel at a conference I was at two weeks ago and were very public with the data they were giving out in terms of what they're seeing on return. And I mean, they really credit podcasts as uh, the launch pad and the launching point for building their brand. And uh, with what they're doing and growing and scaling with it, I mean, it's just, it's, I'm trying to think of uh, the last brand that came in and, and just in the span of a year dominated the space like they have. So I think uh, they're a very good example of a company that, you know, they, they don't need an agency like ours, to be honest. I mean, mm. because internally, I think they recognized strategy and what does work and have been very good about executing that on their own. That being said, they have an in-house team that's right. devoted to, to pulling this off and managing it. And the reason why people hire an agency like ours is they want a team out of house to be uh, managing this and oftentimes coordinating with a point person internally. So uh, yeah, I think we see this continually, right? I mean, it's like brands come out of nowhere and with podcasts, they're able to build trust, credibility, recognition. Um, it is almost such a, an audience of influencers, really, when you think about it. I mean, part of the reason why you know uh, our agency is called Adopter Media is this is still, by and large, a medium of early adopters and uh, tastemakers to a larger extent. And I think that there's, there's really nowhere else where you can quite tap into that powerful of an audience. Yeah, that's I love thinking about it that way, where it's like, if you have the bandwidth internally, you can DIY this, but of course you can hire an expert agency and team like you guys at Adopter. And for those brands that, you know, they do decide like, hey, we should try podcast advertising. Um, it sounds great. Some of our competitors we've seen doing it, or we just think that this could be a really great channel based on some intuition and data. I would love to go through some of the some of the things that you think that they should be doing to approach this in the smartest way. From the standpoint of, you know, what do you think is an ideal initial budget? 
for example, and, and like where are you seeing average CPMs today as compared to years past and maybe where they're going? Um, and then we can maybe go on to the types of ads and, you know, pre-roll, mid-roll, post-roll and all of those sorts of things. But I'm, I'm curious what, what you think is a pretty ideal sweet spot for initial budget and what you think reasonable CPMs are for, for various shows. Yeah. So to reverse engineer this, I think average CPM is we've seen $25 become the average cost per thousand listens on a mid-roll, mid-show, 60-second ad. And keeping that in mind and a million impressions combined being a minimum viable test, I think $25,000 is a very smart way to test this medium to where you're going to get, again, those combined million impressions. You can divide those up amongst as many shows as you want. And the more, the better, actually, because after a million impressions, you will have very good data. If, if you choose your shows correctly, you will have very good data about whether this medium has the legs uh, it needs to sustain a longer investment. What do you think that data would point to? Do you think it is? I'm sure it depends on the brand, but is it like, hey, we've actually broken even on what we can attribute directly to podcast ads? And, and we know that they're there likely is the halo and some indirect stuff that we can't capture on top of that? Or is it really like, hey, this is extremely ROI positive um, and we should definitely continue? Like, how do you look at that, you know, when determining whether or not to continue or not? It varies for every client. And I think it depends on what the comparison is to their other channels. I mean, okay. there are some advertisers out there that are happy to have even money investments. There are some that are happy to recoup half of what they spent, knowing that the halo is going to be maybe a 3x or 4x on top of that. And then there are some that have very high expectations for return on investment. Um, I can give this anecdote without saying the company, but we did work with a client once that pays people to take surveys as part of market research. And we got their cost per user acquisition down to, I think it was like $1.25. And they were saying, no, it has to be under a dollar. Uh, most advertisers, I think, would, would literally murder somebody to get a customer <laughs> acquisition that low. But again, it just goes to show every business model is different. And, yep. you know, Casper got some headlines when they filed for their initial public offering, and again, you know, they're not our client, but this information is public. It's like Casper makes a very thin margin on each mattress. And I think it was something, uh, you know, I'm not going to quote the exact amount, but ballpark, I think it was something where, you know, they bake in almost $400 in marketing costs to each mattress sold. Mm. So again, if we're to look at a $1 customer acquisition to a $400 customer acquisition, this should give you an idea of how there is no one prescription for what your CPA or ROI goals should be everybody has a different expectation. I think you really want to look at what it is more to your relative channels when figuring out, you know, what is uh, the uh, the formula that makes sense for you. You mentioned mid-roll, you know, probably being the standard. Do you see a specific type of ad as either underrated, overrated, or just various possible use cases for each, neither of them or any of them better or necessarily worse than the others. And maybe if you could describe what the pre-roll and mid-roll and post-roll kind of is. A pre-roll ad is a top of show ad. It usually comes at the very top of the show or early on in the episode. A uh, mid-roll ad usually comes within the content anywhere from, you know, once the show starts going about 75% of the way into the show, it can come in anywhere in between. A post roll is usually an end of show ad. And then you get into host read ads versus pre-produced ads, baked in ads versus dynamic. Now the difference with a pre-produced ad is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's like radio or Pandora. You supply the creative. They essentially run that. It sounds like a digital radio ad. Uh, host read is the host taking Typically, your talk, uh, talking points are copy, occasionally a script, and delivering the ads themselves. Baked-in ads are ads that live in the episode in perpetuity or at least for a period of you know 90 or 180 days, whereas dynamic, you're buying both new and old episodes. You're injected across all listens for a period of time or a number of impressions. I would say that uh, the combination that has the highest value is a mid-roll uh, host read baked mm. in ad. And the reason why is one, you're getting the host read. So you're getting the host delivering the messaging in their authentic voice. Two, if it's baked in, you're going to live in that episode and it's going to feel like content 
as a part of that episode and then combine that with the fact that it's in the middle of the show. So even though you're paying for 60 seconds, um, we do a study quarterly on ad delivery length. And uh, we found that even though we buy these ads as, you know, quote unquote, 60 second mids, on average, an average, uh, these ads are 97 mm. seconds long. And it's not because we give the host too much copy. It's actually quite the opposite. We give them talking points in a framework and they're able to tell a story and do something that feels like content. And so again, when you get content that lives in the episode for a long period of time, that's not tightly timed like a pre-produced spot would be, and you're um, borrowing that host's trust and credibility they have with their audience, there's nothing more powerful than that. You're essentially buying space on the voice inside people's heads. And that's uh, a very, very powerful means to uh, persuade and market to an audience. I love that. And then how does that script process work and, and the talking points process work? Like, I, I'm sure that that varies depending on the brand and the product and, and the podcast, but is that a very like formal process or is it really just depend on the show and your personal kind of working relationship with that show and how they like to do things? Everybody does things differently. Every network does things differently. Um, on the network side, and I think this has a little more to do with people that are not as familiar with the medium coming into the space. Um, you know, look, podcast advertising is, is likely to hit a billion dollars in annual spend by the end of this year. And when you've got large money players coming in and people looking to wring every cent out of it, of course, they would love to move to dynamic paying by impression, uh, tightly paced 60 second ads, and let's cram as many of them into the episode as possible. In essence, they're, they're actually really endangering mm. this medium and certainly endangering uh, the ability to have it be an effect means of advertising. I would say to anyone looking at this space, really put a preference and a priority on anyone that's doing things the classic way that is proven to work because these newer methods take a lot more management. They take a lot more savvy uh, to get ROI from. And that I think the, the old way of doing things is just a proven revenue generator. So always, always, always put a preference on that. Where do you see that going? Like, that I think that's I think that's up for yeah like that's a point yeah. of I guess just people thinking on one side of the, that aisle or the other and how do you see that shaking out you know where this podcast advertising channel and methodology and strategies and tools and techniques all available to brands and all facilitated through podcasts and the hosts and the networks like what is it, what's your crystal ball say. Well, the good news is the direct response has sort of a built-in failsafe against um, bastardization of the medium, right? Mm. Uh, so with direct response, here's the great news. If networks insist upon trying these new models or a podcast decides, hey, we want to go to this, you know, pay us for every impression and we're going to give you exactly what you paid for and nothing more and treat it more like a transactional relationship rather than a partnership – the great failsafe is that if it stops working for direct response clients, we're going to put our dollars elsewhere. So I think on the podcaster side, we're actually seeing a surprising number of podcasters that are even pushing back against their networks and saying, you know what, we're happy with the way we've done it. It helps protect the intimacy and authenticity of this medium. And I think that as an agency, and not just ours, but every other agency and media buyer that we know and talk to, and even the brands we know that work with direct, like we really put a value on that intimacy and authenticity. And I think the podcasters have taken notice. So I, I, I do think that we are in the process of seeing a pushback against this idea of monetize every impression. And uh, we're going to time you to the second and not over deliver. And again, um, I mean, this is my advice, whether somebody works with our agency or not. I mean, we value partners and I mean that in the truest sense, we we value podcasts that treat their advertisers like partners and not transactions. Mm. And uh, I would caution any advertiser about getting into something that feels too much like a transactional relationship. And going back to what I said earlier about a $25,000 test budget, tell you what, take half that money, do it on dynamic ads where you're paying per the mm. impression, do the rest on baked in ads. Interesting. Look at how they perform and decide which one you think is a better investment going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, it's a scary world to me if if we move closer and closer to how the radio. Yeah, because radio is terrible. That's why everyone exactly. started listening to podcasts, because exactly. radio is the worst. Yep. And it, ultimately, to your point, it 
it will lose its effectiveness in the same way um, should we go down that road. So hopefully, hopefully we don't. And the podcasters who think of this in a lot of ways as an art should help lead the charge in, in that not happening here. So absolutely. Cool. Well, how do you think about what shows to advertise on? I mean, that's, you know, as time goes on, more and more shows are coming online. I think we're up to 800,000 podcasts. Obviously, not all of those are live and active, but there's thousands of new shows launching every day. How do you go about from a broad perspective? Because I, I know, again, it, it is industry and brand specific. But how do you think about what shows to test this on or place these ads on? Do you go super heavy with multiple spots on a smaller number of shows or do you spread the load and go for quantity, but maybe not have as many repetitive spots on each show? And and then secondly, which I can ask again if we, we don't get to it in this part one, but you know, what do you see as the most effective sort of number of spots per show? Like, should you buy three or four different episodes for one particular show to have that recall be as effective as possible or is one enough? Like, how do you think about all that? Um, I think that when you're starting, it is very important to do a reasonable number of shows, a uh, reasonable number of episodes. And there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that you really want to find your messaging and find what works. I think once you understand how many episodes it takes to get a response, and granted, it does depend on what you're selling. For instance, uh, if you're selling uh, snack bars or you have something that is uh, an impulse buy, in essence, a low dollar value product, people are going to respond pretty quickly a lot of the time with that. Whereas if you're selling uh, life insurance or a mortgage, people are going to have to hear that ad maybe six to 12 times before they take action. So part of it is uh, think about what it is that you're selling and what you're asking of the audience to sort of dictate what your investment should be. Secondly, you want to think about what the messaging is, what the host understanding of the messaging is, you know, and think about, again, in that partnership mentality to be sort of a good steward of this business, um, you want to go into testing, maybe looking at if it's a weekly show, three episodes, if it's a daily show, five episodes, make a little bit of an investment. And especially early on when you don't have your copy and call to action fine tuned, you are relying on the host a little more to help you find your way and almost workshop it with you. So again, think about it that way that you do want to be partners um, in this experience experience and go into it, making it worth their while to invest uh, their time in you because you're investing in them and building, again, more of a relationship. So we recommend early on going for more can be better and then figure out how many mm. episodes it takes to see a response before you scale back. I think if you're a brand new advertiser going into the space and you just try and are looking to do one-off tests, like you're just, I mean, throwing a dart and maybe... Maybe you get lucky, but you really want to figure this out early on. And uh, again, like go into this as a good faith uh, partnership. Do you see it, the strategy sometimes working where let's say you have a total budget you might allocate towards this and you take half of it and you spread it across a very high number of podcasts. And then maybe you're sort of in the back of your mind allocating that second half of the budget to double down on the ones that you saw as most effective? Like, is that, is there a, a case to be made for that? Um, yeah, I think that I would almost look at it though. Don't. Okay. And th this is kind of goes back to what I said earlier about the idea of like a $25,000 investment. I think look at it that you're going to spend $25,000 and like a million impressions is a mm. very, very viable test. I would recommend that make a three to six week plan to go into this and get those million impressions over three to six weeks and then decide if you're going to spend more and fine tune it. I think if you go into it and say, well, we're going to go in and spend maybe 10,000 or 12, five, again, you're not going to quite get that unless you were just completely in the dark with where to even start. But even then you have to remember that if you test, let's say three podcasts versus six versus 10, 
you're really only finding out if those podcasts work for you, not if the medium itself has legs and where it has legs. You almost want to think about this like betting on horses or buying stocks. Uh, and the more bets you place, the better chance that something's going to pay off and the better chance something is going to pay off huge. So mm. you really want to approach this looking at your demographic, um, looking at the different subject matter that that demographic is interested in, and then figuring out how to make smart buys across multiple categories to get a true test. And I would recommend this if you have the budget and appetite, do an outlier or two. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. If something is 100% a male focused product, that's one thing. But if you think, well, our audience skews slightly male. You know, why not get a baseline uh, control group and test something that's a little more female skewing just to see what the response is, if it's something that both men and women can use. I think that gathering data is the smartest way to figure out if the space works for you and what the uh, roadmap forward is. It's like without doing that, you're again, you're just really it's then then it's more like, uh, you know, like placing one bet on roulette. Yes, something could pay off 36 to one, but there's more, much more likely chance you're going to lose all your money uh, as opposed to if you spread that out and make safer, smarter bets. That makes sense. And, and it kind of brought up a question for me. How do you go about actually engaging in the conversation to sponsor a show like do you do you just literally (laughs) go to i mean i i think you know now there's a ton of networks then there's individual kind of solo podcasters there's podcasters who are represented by agencies themselves yeah you know how how do you go about actually facilitating the process of hey we've got some budget we we found the show we want to advertise on how do you actually take that home so it's funny uh put aside for a second all of the expertise, you know, and tens of millions of dollars experience we have, I would say probably the number one reason why people come to an agency like ours is that they try dealing with the networks on their own and tracking down individual podcasters. They determine it's like herding cats and just say, can we get a single point of contact and just have you uh, facilitate this for us uh, in addition to all the other great uh, services that we provide. So I think it can be challenging. It can be cumbersome. And the other thing is that this is very much a new industry. And as such, you're going to get wildly different information and data from different podcasts and different networks. And sometimes you need an almost an independent arbiter uh, or an agent acting on your behalf, such as uh, our agency, to really uh, provide a sanity check and tell you, okay, this is actually good. This is overpriced. A lot of times people don't know, you know, and if uh, you reach out to a podcaster, they might hit you back with numbers and, uh, you know, a fancy PDF deck, but are those IAB certified numbers? What's their measurement window? Um, You know, who are their advertisers they've had success with? Maybe is it someone that we've worked with before and know that there's X, Y, or Z reason why this might not be the best idea? Have we heard something perhaps about a bad experience someone else has had? So with independent podcasters, there are a lot of potential uh, uh, pitfalls that you can avoid. And then with networks, I mean, we love our network partners, but look, a network's job is to act in the best interest of the network. If you go to a network and say, hey, I want to advertise with you and this is our product, it is in their best interest to come back and say, well, every podcast on our network would be a fantastic fit (laughs) for your product or service. Um, And sometimes they might be selling you uh, what, and I say this as someone who worked at a network, like sometimes you have to sell what doesn't have a lot of ads on it. Mm. You know, there's, there's a certain pressure there. So you, again, you don't really know if you don't have an independent party working on your behalf. It helps to tap into somebody's expertise who has done this before, knows the lay of the land, and can sort of make sure that you're not placing your funds in uh, uh, the best manner possible. What do you think of the platforms? I've seen a few platforms that are sort of aggregating podcasters and advertisers under one kind of software product in an effort to match them for ad spots on their shows. Like, what do you think about, I mean, have you looked at those at all? Do you think that that is, there's any value there? What do you, what do you think about that? 
I think part of it comes down to personality type. Um, I And I can tell you there are some marketers that we've worked with and some people that is an agency clients that we've actually suggested maybe they want to do this on their own because they want to drive the experience 100%. And we, again, really look at this as more of a collaborative partnership with our clients um, as opposed to just us, uh, you know, almost doing the busy work uh, based on their direction, which isn't to say that, that we don't love it when clients know what they want to do. I mean, it's our job to help them fulfill their goals. But that being said, I do think there are some marketers and personality types, particularly in the performance marketing and digital realm, who almost want a more programmatic approach. And I think that is very good in theory, but that's just not how this business works. There's the X factor. So it's not like you could say, here's $25,000. This is the exact demographic our product reaches. Now I'm going to log into a piece of software that's going to tell me, uh, based on these demographics, here are the 20 shows. I'm going to enter the start date and stop date, upload the audio or upload the script. The The secret sauce, the X factor, the component that you have to do it to figure it out is really knowing where that engagement is. And no software can really account for uh, what are the high engagement, high ROI podcasts, um, the way mm. that somebody that's been doing this can. I mean, it's kind of the equivalent of uh, just going in and saying, oh, I want to buy these stocks. You know, well, there are portfolio managers, there are money managers, there are, you know, uh, there are people that understand this. And uh, I think that we've seen it, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's almost the equivalent of day trading. Uh, and we've seen you, you can win or lose greatly sometimes uh, by mm. thinking that uh, there's nothing anyone can teach you about <laughs> going into a space and just using a piece of software. Yeah, that 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 makes a ton of sense. Yeah, man, this has been this has been gold. I, I really appreciate all the info you're sharing here. And a couple more questions, you yeah, know, please. I have as we as we kind of wrap up. How do you think brands should look at podcast advertising when compared to guesting and doing interviews on podcasts or even like launching their own show, you know, do you see one being more effective than others for certain types of brands or do they all kind of have their own place at the right time under the right scenario? Um, I think guesting is great. And I think they're actually quite complementary to one another, both guesting and advertising on podcasts. My recommendation first and foremost would be this. If you're looking to guest on podcasts, make those rounds, book those interviews and appointments. You don't want to get into advertiser situations where it's like a pay to play situation. Um, one specifically is that there are some podcasts out there that editorially would never have a current or even past advertiser as a guest. So if you could be a guest first and an advertiser second, that helps you avoid those editorial concerns. Um, but then secondly, I think uh, the ones that do feature their sponsors in a guest capacity, I feel like that's, again, maybe not being a good steward of this business, not acting mm. in the best faith. And I feel like listeners almost have like an antenna up for that. Like they push mm. back against that a little bit. Um, so my recommendation is... Go the content route first or do that where it's relevant. But look, if you're the CEO of a brand or you're the inventor of a product or you have something interesting to say, there is going to be a limited number of podcasts where that would be valid. That being said, where your audience and potential customers are aren't necessarily contained by that one genre. So for instance, if you're the CEO of a uh, fitness brand, well, you might be a great interview on um, some entrepreneur and CEO-focused podcasts. You might make sense if you're a doctor or have some scientific background to be a guest on a uh, health or fitness-related podcast. But really beyond that, the most effective way to get your messaging across is actually to have that podcast host talk about how much they love your product. Like You almost have to check your ego and realize that hmm. you know uh, there are some situations where it's not all about you and let your product do the talking and let that host be that brand ambassador. So I do think it's about striking the right balance. Um, but yeah, you don't want to be in that situation. Uh, and we push back on that, by the way, all the time from sponsors, uh, potential sponsors, not the clients we work with. The th you know, Thankfully, none of the clients we work with are guilty of this. But we get brands all the time that, that approach us and say, oh, maybe if we sponsor the podcast, they'll do an episode interviewing our CEO. And it's like, no, that's really not what we do. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, that's going to make your CEO feel great, but I don't know that that's going to move product for you the way that doing a really effective ad campaign would. Yeah. And what do you think about producing or launching, 
your own show? Like, how does that play into this? I mean, obviously it's, you know, slightly different than the things we've been talking about today, but do you have any opinions or thoughts on that and its effectiveness in relation to, or compared to advertising? I think it could be great. Although it's funny, a lot of the times brands will launch their own podcast, then they'll hire an agency like ours to try and promote their podcast. So mm-hmm. it's almost they're doing twice as much work <laughs> where they're creating this podcast and then they're actually having to advertise it. But the whole idea is that they ultimately want to get people to buy their product. I would say you could cut out the middleman in a lot of cases and just go and advertise your product directly. But if you have a good brand product, I mean, that's a little unfair because there are some very good brand owned, uh, brand sponsored podcasts out there. But I think you almost have to see it as its own separate content marketing initiative and be very realistic about it. I mean, look, I used to work in addition to podcast ad sales and marketing podcasts. Part of the reason I got out of marketing podcasts, well, one, I realized that I was really good at the sales part and really uh it was you know a very good opportunity time but part of the reason i i really chose to go with that is because i realized this was five years ago i realized man marketing a podcast and launching a new podcast is hard there's no playbook for it there's no formula there's no one way that it's definitely going to work everybody that tells you they know how it's going to work really just has an idea and what worked a month ago sometimes doesn't even work today so launching your own podcast again you really have to be in it for the long haul as opposed to something that you're just doing to say that you did. Um, you have to have realistic expectations. So I, I encourage it. I think it can be great for brands that want to take that jump. But at the same time, you almost have to treat that separate than your advertising efforts. That's so funny. I, I've, I've never heard somebody say it that way, but it it resonated so much with me when you when you said basically you're doing twice the work to, to get the awareness for the brand when you could just kind of cut out that, that initial legwork and possibly go direct. But obviously, you know, having a a creative content and marketing kind of asset as your own branded show. I mean, there's obviously when we talk about it a lot ourselves internally and with clients, but there's obviously a lot of benefit to that as well. But yeah, that you kind of framing it that way was was uh, really interesting to me. Well, yeah, because some brands, you know this, some brands see it as a shortcut and say, why should I spend money advertising on someone else's podcast? I'll just make my own podcast and then everyone will come to me. And it's like, then they do it. And it's like, why isn't everybody buying our stuff? Uh, (laughs) They don't realize that. In fact, I think it's, uh, here we are in 2020. I think it's actually harder to market a podcast to success. I, you could come at me with almost any product and I think it would Mm. be easier to make that a directly attributable ROI success than it would be to launch a podcast right now in this environment. Um, Mm. And certainly there's a clearer pathway to money on it. Mm. Is that because of how competitive it's getting? Yeah. I mean, there's, what is it now? 800,000 podcasts in existence. I mean, think about it. I'm sure you have a lot of podcasts you would like to start for fun that you think could be profitable or perhaps interesting. I know I certainly do, but I look at the competitive landscape and think, man, unless I have a solid marketing strategy for how I'm going to achieve this, we are no longer in the days of just sort of, well, do it and see what happens. You know, I don't think that's uh, a viable business plan anymore. Totally. Yeah. And one of the things we always talk about is like, it really just depends on what you need the podcast to do for it to ultimately be successful for you. I mean, if you need hundreds of thousands or millions of listeners, then yeah, proceed with extreme caution because yeah. there's some serious networks out there that this is what they do all day long. And it, it's hard to kind of get placement ahead of them and, and uh, awareness ahead of them in that regard. But if you're a B2B brand, which is, you know, usually sure. a lot of the folks that we're working with, and you only need a thousand listeners of this show for it to actually then re- lead to the business results that will be a and huge impact. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Then, then like there's, obviously a lot of um a lot of different ways for this to make sense but yeah to your point i couldn't agree more i mean you know wonderies and gimlets and pineapple streets of the world i mean they're creating these incredible shows that are mass market appeal and um if that's the route then yeah that's a that's a really tricky area to navigate whereas you could just leverage exactly what we've been talking about today leverage those shows and the audiences that have already been built and still get in front of them through, through advertising. Yeah. And, you know, I'm very blessed that I get to work with shows that are already successful. You know, so it's funny when people right. ask me now, how do I make my show a success? It's like, I don't know. I deal with people now when they're already <laughs> successful. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Awesome, Glenn. Well, this has been amazing, man. I, I really appreciate it. And it kind of like the last question here. Yeah, please. You know, if you had one final piece, anything we didn't touch here where a, a brand or a company is, is thinking about 
going this path and doing podcast advertising, what what would be one final piece of advice you would give them as they're evaluating and trying to make that decision? Uh, I would say do your homework and talk to as many people as possible. And I, I mean this sincerely. Perhaps I'm a terrible salesperson because I'm always happy to talk to any brand that is looking to get in this space. And uh, we have gotten very good about being able to say no when we think there isn't either an opportunity for a brand in this space or not an opportunity to work with us, maybe even where a brand would be better suited on their own. I think that having conversations with people that do this for a living um, are going to give you a reality check and let you know how viable it is. Even if you ultimately decide to do it on your own, you will be much better off having done some homework and fully understanding the scope of this space. So that being said, for the people that this works for, it is insanely, insanely effective. Um, it's really just a question of how you can make the smartest swing possible to figure out if it's going to work for your brand or not. Mm. Love that advice. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, really recommend. You know, everybody go check out Adopter Media. I believe the domain is adopter.media, right, Glenn? That's correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, if you're thinking about this, obviously based on you know, what Glenn was sharing today, he's the, he's the person to talk to. Um, I also really recommend checking out his book, Podcast Advertising Works. I read it, got a ton of value out of it. It was actually what I think put you on my radar a few years ago, Glenn. So awesome. that's awesome you put that out. And, and thanks so much again for dropping all these insights and uh, pointing us in the right direction with this. It's It can kind of be overwhelming to think about where to start with some of this stuff. So you know, you being the the tour guide on it was extremely helpful and valuable. And is there anywhere else or the places I dropped earlier, the, the best places for people to connect with you? Yeah. Or just send me an email. My email address is Glenn. That's G-L-E-N-N at adopter.media. And yeah, happy to talk to folks. All right. Hope you all enjoyed that episode with Glenn. I think it's clear that podcast advertising is a channel that most brands could explore. It obviously won't be the perfect channel for everyone, and that's why it's definitely prudent to do due diligence there, to Glenn's point, or speak to folks that have tried it, and maybe even similar brands to you that have tried it and see what their results were with it. But I think it's clear whether B2B or B2C, it is a channel that has worked extremely well for some companies, and that can be evidenced by how long they've been investing in it. I mean, there are brands that have been investing in podcast advertising for years. And so I'm really excited about the growth of podcast advertising and where it's going compared to other forms of advertising that are becoming more programmatic and distanced. Podcasting is remaining intimate and close. And that is why I think that it has been so successful is uh, even when you think about influencer marketing on Instagram and things like that, that seems like it's losing a little bit of its legs, but is still extremely effective because people trust other people, especially those that they follow and have been following for, for weeks, months, years, and have gotten value and had an impact on their life from those people. And that's what podcast hosts are. So I definitely think this is an area to explore. Glenn's obviously the expert and I love talking to him. I, I really hope you all got something out of the episode. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. Eric, E-R-I-K at lemonpie.fm. You can also tweet me at, at Eric Bison and uh, let me know what you think. We got some more awesome episodes coming out. So, so stay tuned. Hope you all are loving it. Have a great day. I'll catch you on the next episode.